Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? We're going to go to the book of Joshua chapter number 7. Joshua chapter 7 and verse number 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accused things from Achan, the son of Hammi, the son of Zebdom, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took the accused things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Just for a few moments, I want to preach on the thoughts, what happened? What happened? Could you shout what happened real big? What happened? Thank you, Pastor Brandon. Everybody shout, what happened? There you go, Pastor Brandon. Since you're really excited, would you stand and ask the blessing of the preaching of the Word? And We heard you did a great job Sunday night, so thank you for your dedication and faithfulness. What happened? Uh, this story that we're going to look at this morning um, is a story that maybe you haven't heard of often, maybe you have, but um, I, I feel like this story has great application that you could apply to your life, and it's, it's a story that I find to be not only interesting, but I find to be applicable to our life. And so um, I'm not going to give you a bunch of history, although I think history is very important for you to understand the context of this narrative. But I'm going to give you a very, very short background of what's happening here. If you read the Old Testament, you know that God has a group of people called the Israelites, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. They are God's special people. God had a plan and purpose for them, and that was to bring them out of the land of bondage and to bring them into a land that he had given them. And so God raised up leaders. He raised up Moses, anointed Moses, uh, and Moses was their leader and brought them uh, to a certain place. And then the Bible says that Joshua, his assistant, took over, and Joshua led the people of God into the promised land. You see, the Old Testament, some of us get so perplexed about the Old Testament, we're like, I don't understand what it means, what is God talking about? Really, if you had to boil down the Old Testament, it is about a people, it's about a people, uh, it's about a place, the people of God, about a place. God wanted to take them to a certain place that he had given them. Uh, and it was about not only a place, not only a people, but a purpose. And their purpose was to demonstrate to the whole earth that there is only but one God and to give God glory. A people, a place, and a purpose. And so here is the people. God had a purpose for them, for them to demonstrate to the whole world that there is only but one God and to keep him first. And that he was going to bring him to a place and give it to them so that they could be a city set on a hill. This people, the Jewish people, God's holy people, God said to them, I'm going to go before you, I'm going to fight your battles, as long as you keep me first, as long as you put me number one, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to fight your battle. But the moment that you start to worship other gods is the moment that me and you have a problem. And the Bible says in Joshua chapter 6, after they're delivered from the land of Egypt and they've come through the Red Sea, they're getting ready to possess the land that God has given them. And the very first place that they possess, they take charge over, is, is Jericho. God gave them a victory at Jericho. Now this is what I want you to say with me. Say this with me real loud. God gave them victory. 
at Jericho. That's chapter number 6 of Joshua. Now get this. Chapter 7, they're in defeat. Now my question is, is what happened? Here is these people, they're victorious. And chapter 6, they march around the walls of Jericho, Pastor Larry. They're singing the songs of Zion. God is with them. They got a great victory in chapter 6. But chapter 7, they're in defeat. As a matter of fact, the Bible says they're in so much defeat that Joshua, their leader, tears his clothes, he weeps and cries, and he asks the Lord, what happened, Lord? What happened? We just experienced a great victory, and now we are in great defeat. Doesn't that sound like our life? We have seasons of great victory, and we have seasons of great defeat. How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I've been there. I've been in seasons of victory, and I've been in seasons of great defeat. Five people. Come on, church with me. So how many would agree with me? I've been in chapter 6, and I've also been in chapter 7. Chapter 6 is great victory, but chapter 7 was great defeat. The Bible says they were, they were defeated at Ai. They were defeated at Ai in chapter 7, but they had great victory in chapter 6. And I've got to ask you a question. What in the world happened? How can you go from victory to defeat so quickly? How can you go from joy to sadness so quickly? How can you go from being triumphant to being so disheartened in chapter 7? What in the world happened? And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that all of us will have to stand and ask the question. I mean, something happened for these people to go from victory to defeat. Remember what I just said to you a few moments ago? God said, you're my people. And I'll be with you, and I'll fight for you, and I'll go with you as long as you keep me first. As long as I'm your God, I'll be with you, and I'll fight for you. But the moment you put somebody ahead of me, and you worship somebody before me, that's when me and you have a problem, and that's when you will lose the battle. So you know, and I know, something went on in their relationship. Chapter number 6, they're victorious at Jericho, in chapter 7, they are defeated at Ai. What happened? And I'm glad you're here because the Bible says this is what happened. Chapter 7, verse number 1, I read it to you. There's a man in the camp. He's a man that's in the community. His name is Achan. Everybody shout Achan. And I believe that Achan had an Achan heart. Something was wrong with Achan. He had an Achan heart. And what was wrong with Achan? Well, the Bible says in verse number, verse number 1 of chapter 7, the Bible says he stole something. In other words, he stole something that was accursed. He stole something that God put a curse on, and guess what he did? He kept it with him. Verse number 1, look what he did. But the children of Israel committed a trespass against the accused things. Who was it? It was Achan. In other words, because of his sin... Because of what Achan did, it affected the whole community. And listen, my friends, when there is sin among us, it affects the whole community. It affects every one of us. Achan, who is in God's community, Achan, who was in God's community, had a sin problem, and it affected the whole community. The Bible says in verse number 1, he took or he is accused of trespassing of the accused thing. Now, what did he do? Well, the Bible says in Joshua chapter number 7, verse number 20, this is what Achan did. 
chapter 7, verse number 20. Look at it. Joshua chapter 7, verse number 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wage of gold weighing about 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them, and they, and they there are hidden in the earth in the midst of the tent with the silver under it. So this is what Achan did. Remember, Achan is a part of the community. There are char they're charging together. They're fighting a battle, and they go to Ai, and guess what he does? He goes into the enemy's camp, and he steals out of their tents. He takes a Babylonian garment. He takes some shekels. He takes some gold, and guess what he does? He hides it, and he thinks that nobody saw it. Achan is thinking, nobody saw what I just did. Nobody's aware of what I just did. We're still going to win the battle. God is still going to give us the victory. But on the side, I got something extra. Nobody will ever know. But God knew. What happened, church? How can you go from victory to defeat? How can you shout at the walls of Jericho and at Ai, Joshua is depressed and he cries and he's, he's worried. The Bible says in Joshua 7 verse 6, look how distraught Joshua is. He's the pastor. He's the leader. He's distraught. And this is what Joshua does. The Bible says he tore his clothes. He fell on the earth on the face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. And the elders of Israel put dust on his head. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan to deliver us in the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Joshua is depressed. Why is Joshua having a hard time? Listen to me, my friends. God gave him victory in chapter 6. But yet in chapter 7, they are defeated. What happened? Because one person in the community, stole spoils from the enemy. He shouldn't have done that. Why? Because everything the enemy had was cursed. And God said, when you go and fight the enemy, you are to destroy everything they have. Don't take anything. Because God was trying to teach His people that, listen, the enemy is not your source, nor is their resources your source. I am your source I am your God. You lean upon me. You don't need the spoils of the Babylonians. You don't need the spoils, or you don't need the spoils of the Amorites. You don't need the spoils of the enemy to supply for you. I am your God. I am your Father. I will take care of you. You don't need to steal anything. I'll take care of you. And what did he do? He went in there and he stole a Babylonian garment. He stole some gold. He stole some shekels. And he thought it was okay. And God said, it's not okay. It's not okay. And you know what happens? Now listen to, listen to Pastor Josh because I, I sincerely have a word for you. And this is just not made up. I didn't just make it up. I have, I have something to tell you from God. And this is what I want to tell you. Listen to you. Open your heart. And listen to my heart this morning. Because... Joshua chapter 1 verse 7 is very clear. Did you notice? You know, the problem with Achan was disobedience. He was disobedient to the Lord. He took something that God said don't take. 
He was disobedient. And did you know in verse number 1, look at it, Joshua 7, verse number 1, what tribe is Achan from? Achan is from Judah. Is that correct? He is from the tribe of Judah. Now, I know this is a little bit of typology, and so, but I just want to bring it out because I find it interesting. Uh, and I don't think that you can do theology with typology, but I do think it's interesting for me to bring out. What I want you to see in verse number 1 is that Achan is from Judah. Do you know what Judah means? Can, on the count of three, tell me what Judah means. Judah means praise. So Achan is from a tribe which praises God. So number one, what I want you to see this morning is that praise is not a substitute for obedience. Praise is not a substitute for obedience. You can praise God all you want on Sunday morning. You can give God all the praise you want on Sunday morning and still live in disobedience. You can come up here and you shout and fall on the floor and cry and give God praise and you can still live in disobedience. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to Pastor Josh. What God requires of you and what God requires of me is not more praise. He requires more obedience. He requires more obedience. Did you see in verse 1, Achan is from the tribe of Judah. Judah means praise. And you can see some typology here, how if Judah represents praise, I want to tell you that praise can never be a substitute for obedience. They pray, listen, where did they praise God at? They praised God in chapter 6. God said, what I want you to do, I want you to march around the walls, and I want, on the, I want you to march around the walls six days, and I want you to be quiet. On the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times, and I want you to shout on the seventh time and the walls are going to come down. God gave him a great victory. You know why God gave him a great victory? was because they were obedient to do what God told them to do. They, they, they praised. They praised. But what brought the walls down was obedience, not praise. Can I hear an amen? Obedience brought the walls down, not their praise. When they obeyed the Lord... To do what God told them to do, the walls came down, and they praised God as a result of it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, praise is not a substitute for obedience. You have to be obedient before you praise God. And you can have the right sermon, you can sing the right songs, you can go to church, you can tithe, you can come up front and praise God and still live in disobedience. Obedience is what God requires obedience is what God requires. Now get this, number two, I want you to see in verse number 10, Joshua 7 and verse number 10. Joshua, the leader, is so perplexed, so this is what Joshua does in verse number 10. Verse number 10, Joshua 7, verse 10, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up, why do you thus lay on your face? Get up, Joshua. What was Joshua doing? Joshua was weeping before the Lord. He was Tearing his clothes. He's saying, God, you gave us victory at Jericho. Now we're defeated. What's wrong, Lord? What's wrong? And the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, get up from where you are at. Do you know what the Lord is saying? Prayer is not a substitute for obedience. Prayer is not substitute for obedience. Praise is not substitute for obedience. Nor is prayer a substitute for obedience. You can come and pray all you want and still live in disobedience. I know a whole lot of people who pray a lot and still live in disobedience. 
they won't give up the mighty dollar. But they're praising God and praying. Prayer is not a substitute for obedience. What was Joshua doing? He was praying. And God was saying to Joshua, listen Joshua, you can pray all you want. Your people need to be obedient. So prayer is not a substitute for obedience. Number three, get this. Look at verse 11. Now, this is so interesting to me. How many still with, if you're still with Pastor Josh, and I'm not insecure, I just want to know if you're with me in the story. Say amen. Verse 11, look at this. Joshua 7, verse 11. Get this. Joshua, verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lay here on your face? Verse 11. And Israel sinned. And they've also transgressed my covenant, which I've commanded. This is the Lord saying this to Joshua. For they have taken some of the accused things, and, and they have stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Get this. God said, Joshua, your people have sinned against the Lord because they took something that wasn't theirs. They're deceived. They stole something, and not only did they steal it, Joshua, but they mixed it with their stuff. Achan, Achan took the Babylonian garment. He took the gold, he took the silver, and he mixed it with his stuff. Number three, mixing stuff together is not a substitute for obedience. You can't mix the world and God together you can't do that. You can't have a little bit of the world here and a little bit of God here and mix it together and still praise and still pray and think that's obedient. Ladies and gentlemen, what God requires is not more praying, not more praising, and not mixing your righteous with unrighteous deeds. What He is expecting of you is obedience to what He said to do. That's what He said. Obedience. You can't mix it. And that's exactly what happened. They begin to mix it. God said you have mixed the stolen stuff with your own stuff and you can't do it. It's what John said. Remember what, Saint, what the Apostle John said? What does light have to do with darkness? Light is an enemy of darkness. You can't mix them too. What does, what does, what does sweet water have to do with bitter waters? What does light have to do with darkness? When you begin to mix when you begin to mix righteous things with unrighteous things, you will get in trouble. Achan thought he could get away with it, and God says you can't get away with it. There are some Christians today is thinking, what is the least I can do and still be in obedience? What is the least I can do and still get obedience? What's the least I can do and still be obedient? I don't know why we have crafted a Christianity where we do the least. Do I tithe off of the gross or the net? Why are you asking the question? Do I go to church one time a week or twice? Why are you asking the question? Why are you giving your least? Why is it always your least? You see, if you read the New Testament, Jesus raised the bar up. The religious leaders said, well, Lord... Can so-and-so leave so-and-so and give a certificate of divorce? 
Jesus said, well, if a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he has already committed adultery in his heart. You know what Jesus did? Jesus said, you saw it this way, but I just raised the bar. If you look and lust, you've already done it. You think it's just about the act, but I've raised the bar. It, do I give 10% or do I give 5%? Jesus has raised the bar. The bar has never been set low. The bar has been set high. You don't say, do I just go to church one time a week? You don't set the bar low. As a Christian, you set the bar high. Am I generous one day a week? Am I kind one day a week? Why do we ask such foolish questions? It's not about doing the least. It's about doing everything we can to promote the gospel. You see, there's three different gospels being propagated in our society. There is the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel says, whatever you have determines your level of favor with God. So if God blesses you with material possessions, you, you, must, be, you must have favor with God. Then there is the, then there is the, uh, the poverty gospel. That means if you, the less you have, the more pious you may be. But you see, I believe that if you look at the New Testament, Jesus teaches not the prosperity gospel, not the poverty gospel. He teaches the kingdom gospel. He says the kingdom of God is among you. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The word kingdom means rule or dominion. In other words, are you allowing God to rule and to have domain in your life? So everywhere you go, whether it's the job or whether it's the school or whether it's the bank, you bring the kingdom of God with you. Hallelujah! I said you bring the kingdom of God with you. So no matter where I'm at or what I'm doing, I don't pray that it comes. I know it's in me because Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. There is a physical kingdom that will come but the spiritual kingdom is already among us. You see, number one, church, you cannot praise. Praise is not a substitute for obedience. Prayer is not a substitute for obedience. Mixing stuff together is not a substitute for obedience. You can't mix righteous and unrighteous things together. God said, I've made a covenant with you. Verse number 11, look at it. Joshua 7, verse 11, he said, Israel sinned, They've also transgressed my covenant, which I've commanded them. Now get this. I thought about this. God made a covenant with these people. What is a covenant? An agreement between two parties. Now get this. Get this. When you come in agreement with someone that you don't need, that's called grace. When you come in covenant with someone you don't need, that is grace. God don't need you. God didn't need these people. But He came in covenant with them. Even though He didn't need them, He came in covenant with them. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what I call grace. That's what I call favor. That's what I call mercy. He didn't need me. He didn't have to come in contact with me. He didn't need to make a covenant with me. But he did it anyway because I need him.
Hallelujah. You know what God was saying? After everything I've done for you, I didn't even need you. And you want to treat me this way. You want to give me the least. You want to be disobedient after everything I've done for you. You see, ladies and gentlemen, what is the main point of the story? The main point of the story is clear. This is the main point of the story. Order matters. That's the main point of the story. Because God gave them victory at chapter 6. They were defeated in chapter 7. Why were they defeated? A man by the name of Achan went into the enemy's camp and stole some spoils that he shouldn't have had. And because of that, the whole camp, the community was cursed. Joshua is in distress because they lost the battle. And the point of the story is order matters. Now, now let me explain what I mean by that. These people wanted God in their life. The Israelites wanted God, but they didn't want to give Him His rightful place. That's the point. Order matters. They wanted God, but they didn't want to put Him in His rightful place. They didn't want to put Him number one. Oh, they wanted Him, but they didn't want to give Him priority. You see, if you look at the New Old Testament, it was never about perfection. God knew His people would mess up. God knew His people was, it was fallible. He knew that they were human. He knew that they would mess up. It was never about perfection. That's where His grace comes in. It was always about priority. That's what the Old Testament was about. It was about, I want priority in your life. I want to be number one to you, Israel. I want to be your father. I want to be your mother. I want to be your wife. I want to be everything to you. But you keep running off to other gods. You want me, but you don't put me priority. I'm not number one. I didn't demand perfection. I took care of your imperfections. I want priority in your life. I want to be number one in your life. Oh, you've given me a seat at the table, but you haven't put me at the head of the table. You give me a little church attendance and a little here and a little there, you have me in your life, but I am not number one. They had God, and the reason that they failed and lost the battle because they failed to understand that order matters. If you're baking a cake, order matters. You've got to put certain ingredients in first before you bake it. Order matters. You can have all the ingredients, but if you don't do it right, it's not going to come out right. You can have God in your life. But just because you have God in your life doesn't mean things are going to work out for you. And the reason things ain't working out is because if He ain't number one, if He ain't priority, it never works. Oh, He's in your life, but He's not number one in your marriage. He's not number one in your finances. He's not number one in your relationships. He's not number one during the week. He doesn't affect anything that you do during the week. And because of that, our worship is tainted. He has to be priority. It's not perfection. It is priority. It's not perfection. It's priority. It's priority. It's priority. No one wants to be in a relationship where you put them first and then you just get around to them when you feel like it. 
God doesn't have a self-esteem issue. Does he need to be number one because he has low self-esteem? He needs to be number one because he knows if he's not number one, nothing works out in your life. Somebody once said that our worship is not a response to how Jesus makes us feel. Our worship is a response to Jesus' worth regardless of how we feel. It's priority. Is Jesus number one? In other words, how does Jesus become number one when everything in your life incorporates Him and you consult Him where you send your children to school, how you spend your money, what relationships you get involved in, you begin to look at it through his eyes. He becomes number one. I don't consult my feelings. I consult scripture. Scripture is my authority, not my feelings. Praise is not a substitute for obedience. Prayer is not a substitute for obedience. Mixing righteous things with unrighteous things isn't a substitute for obedience. What he requires is not perfection, but priority in our life. What happened? What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The children of Israel had God among them. But he wasn't priority. And when he's not priority, nothing works. Jesus echoes, in closing, Jesus echoes these words to his disciples. He said unto them, Matthew 6, verse 33, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. Seek ye first, first, the kingdom, the kingdom. All the other things will be added to you. In other words, we serve a God who adds to our life. But He only adds to our life if order is correct. If the order is not correct, substitution will come along. Seek ye first the kingdom. All these other things will be added to you. In closing, because a preacher gets at least two closing. Praise is not a substitute for obedience. Prayer is not a substitute for obedience. Mixing righteous with unrighteous things, that never works. It's not a substitute. Trying to cover things up never works. Order matters. They wanted God, but they didn't give Him the rightful place in their life. 